May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Well, I had just knelt down and there was three knocks at the door. It was a Greek Orthodox monk who was knocking on the door and I had just knelt down at inside the edicule in the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. It was middle of the day, there were tons of tourists and pilgrims and monks and priests. Very long line to get into the edicule. And the edicule is a little um, a kiosk, <laughs> a small building that they built over the um, tomb of Christ and then the church is uh, surrounding it even larger. And uh, the edicule holds um, uh, the slab, the, the burial place um, that the church has since the third century recognized as the place where Christ was laid to rest. Um, and it, recently, within the last 10 years, they found a first century tomb all the way underneath it. Uh, lots of good reasons to think that Jesus very well may have been buried in that spot. But with so many people around, the Greek Orthodox priest is not keen on um, people staying in there very long. So no sooner had my knees uh, hit the ground, there was the knock at the door which said it was time to leave. Now, I was determined to get to spend more time in the tomb of Christ than just three seconds. So um, I found out uh, when the church opened, it was about 4.30 in the morning, and I was in Jerusalem for a couple of weeks um, with a group of students um, studying and uh, as, as a pilgrimage. So a couple days later, I went at crack of dawn, 4.30 in the morning, and I got there, doors opened, I walked in, and a mass had already started. There was a 4.30 mass scheduled every day. By the time um, they were done inside this very small space where standing shoulder to shoulder, no more than 10 people could possibly fit in there was already a long line and too many people to have much time. So I decided uh, to go to the internet <laughs> to figure out some other way. And sure enough, after some digging, I found out that there is um, a, a Franciscan monks who also use the Holy Sepulchre. There's eight different churches that uh, have uh, uh, property rights, rights to worship in this space. And they have different chapels and different churches all within this big structure. The Franciscan monks um, are there. And I found out that there is a particular Franciscan monk who only speaks Italian, <laughs> and I do not speak Italian, uh, who has this list. And if you get on this list, you can stay the entire night in the Holy Sepulchre. <laughs> and so after quite a bit of uh, finagling, I find this monk and I get on this list. Now our schedule uh, uh, during our time in Jerusalem was very full. Uh, we had breakfast uh, at six in the morning, we had Eucharist at seven, and then we were off uh, to see uh, the sites. We came back to St. George's Jerusalem, which is about, about a mile and a half uh, from the Holy Sepulchre. And uh, so at, at the end of the day, we would have classes, lectures. As soon as those finished, 5.30 and 6, 6 p.m., I ran down uh, to uh, the ancient city. I grabbed a shawarma on the way. <laughs> I ate it on the go. I got to the Holy Sepulchre. Now, the Holy Sepulchre, the entrance, is uh, these two 
huge crusader doors that were, I think, around in the 11th century, so, you know, 900 years old. The crusader doors are three feet thick. Now, the person, so they have this big ritual of closing the doors every night. The person who has the key to the doors is this Muslim family that's had the keys to the door for like the last 700 years. They found out that they couldn't give it to any of the churches because if they gave it to one particular church, that church would lock everybody else out. <laughs> so they gave it to a Muslim family in an incredible gesture, 700 years ago, of um, um, interfaith, <laughs> interfaith sharing of uh, a sacred space. So I got there. They were just closing the doors. There's this big ritual where the monks go through and ask everyone to leave. No one listens. And then the police come in with like big guns, start screaming to people, get out, get out, everyone leave. So they, they, they just empty the space, just the sea of people are emptying out. And they, they shut the doors and it really feels like a Lord of the Rings movie at this point. The door slams shut, just this enormous barn of a door. Door shuts, they lock the door, they use this ladder to open up a small, smaller door um, on the inside and they throw the keys out. <laughs> and there is a definite sense of finality when those keys get thrown out the door. Like, I hope everyone's fine throughout the night. But just as the keys got thrown uh, through the door, just as they were closing the door, um, I noticed several construction uh, crew members uh, coming into the Holy Sepulchre and a couple other people who are also on the list with me plus the uh, Greek Orthodox monks and some uh, Franciscan monks were, were also inside as the doors shut. Now I had like one uh, goal in mind which was to get to the Holy Sepulchre so as soon as those doors shut I walked over there. So did the construction crew. <laughs> See in 1918 there was an earthquake that earthquake almost brought the uh, edicule, that small kiosk thing over the tomb of Christ down. Now, because there's so many churches that uh, use the space and have rights to the space, it took them a hundred years to figure out how to fix it and to agree on how to fix it. And that construction crew synced perfectly with my trip and my time uh, to be with the Holy Sepulchre. And uh, they were in the Holy Sepulchre um, uh, from the very beginning. Boy. I thought, this is just the worst luck possible. But the great thing about the Holy Sepulchre is not only is the tomb of Christ, the tomb of Christ is there, also Golgotha is on the other side of the church. Um, uh, the, the stone, the hill that uh, the church believes Christ was crucified is um, uh, 30, 40 yards away, also in this same building. And I thought, no problem, I'll just go pray at the location of Christ's crucifixion. No big deal. So I went over there and I prayed for a while. I came back to the tomb, still occupied by this construction group, began to walk around the Holy Sepulchre, an amazing place. Um, down in the basement, you can see um, Crusader graffiti. Um, they had uh, marked crosses uh, into the stone uh, hundreds of years ago. I also got to know the other people uh, who had been locked in the Holy Sepulchre with me. There was five or six of us. I think um, I only speak one language, English. Um, between us, I think there was eight languages, but no common shared language. Uh, there's probably a Venn diagram for that. Um, but we got to know each other. It, it was in January. 
And so the days were very warm, kind of in the desert, but it, that night I did not anticipate how cold it was. I was just in jeans and a jacket and I was freezing. We shared uh, tea and, and coffee and blankets and uh, enjoyed each other's presence. And then I went back to the Edicule and I decided that I was just going to wait um, to see if there was ever a chance or an opening. Time passed. Um, we were deep into the morning when eventually one of the acolytes I saw uh, come, come around to the entrance of the Edicule, kind of look around the Greek Orthodox, and he snuck in. Was in there for 10 or 15 minutes, I assume, praying, and he came out. There was nobody around. Um, there was construction happening kind of in the roof structure, and I decided to ask for forgiveness and not permission, and I made a break for it. <laughs> I went in, and there was a big, so the slab is six feet. Uh, I, the, there's barely enough room for three people in, inside the inner chamber where um, uh, the, the slab where Christ uh, is said to have been laid. And um, on the ground is a big A-frame ladder. Now look up and there's a big hole in the ceiling where they had clearly gone up the ladder and were working somewhere up in the ceiling. So I crawled in underneath the ladder in the A-frame to kneel down, rested my elbows on the slab, and got to enjoy um, some non-rushed, prayerful, quiet silence uh, in the tomb of Christ. It was a holy, profound moment in my life. Just a few minutes later, I heard someone above me was moving what appeared sounded like very heavy stones. <laughs> and I looked up and I could kind of see some movement. Um, they were dragging some stones across the floor and I thought, one of those stones is going to drop through, fall on my head and I'm going to die. And then it occurred to me that if that happened, I would die in the tomb of Christ. <laughs> so I could only imagine my tombstone. Here lies Joshua Daniel. He died in the tomb of Christ. <laughs> that seemed like a pretty okay way to go. Um, after several long moments, um, I left and um, uh, waited uh, still outside as my friends then uh, used the space. Rewind 2,000 years ago, and we just three or four blocks from where I uh, had knelt to pray. Uh, where Jesus uh, not only was laid uh, to rest, but also where he resurrected. He had met Mary that day just outside the tomb, um, as Ledley so wonderfully narrated last week. Later that evening, we have our first Sunday service. <laughs> uh, first Eucharist, or first uh, Sunday in which um, the, the body of Christ had gathered. They had gathered in chaos, fear still coursing through their veins. When Jesus enters, Jesus comes as the first Sunday preacher, and it is short and to the point, peace. Peace be with you. Words that Christians have said on Sunday almost every Sunday since. The peace of Christ be with you. 
he breathed on them. Imagery that comes from Genesis, the very beginning of creation. Jesus' sermon is short. Forgive. Live lives of forgiveness. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Do not forgive. Have that um, retained in your body. And that will not be um, uh, 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 drained out. It will retain with you. Live lives of forgiveness. We're told that Thomas wasn't there. Later, when the disciples uh, tell Thomas uh, what they had seen, uh, he says, not yet. I'm not ready to believe. I need to be in the presence of Jesus. I need to feel his body. And there we get a perfect image of what the church is. One week later, so again, um, they're uh, in a closed space. They've locked the doors. There's still a sense of fear. The Lord appears among them again with the same words, peace, peace be with you. <clears throat> Thomas then gets to uh, feel the wounds of Jesus. And it's to Thomas that one of the greatest confessions recorded in the Bible is given. My Lord and my God, in the presence of Jesus, the divine, the divine was manifest and overwhelming. The disciples could have excluded Thomas because of his doubt. If you don't have it all figured out, then you can't be a part of us. But that's not what happened. Even though Thomas had his doubts, he still remained in the presence of that church, early, earliest church community, that scattershot of disciples. That is what our church remains to be. Not a place where everyone has it figured out, but a place where we come together and pray. Pray for peace, pray for forgiveness, where we are strengthened by each other's presence. And in that presence, we pray God will appear. Fast forward 2,000 years. I had wanted to be a part of a Eucharist that had met there early on those mornings, but they had been Roman Catholic masses. And I thought my chances were very slim indeed of being invited in. But the priest who was there was American and he had seen me around for several days trying to be a part of this uh, Eucharistic service. And that day, uh, as he came in, he motioned over to me. Clearly I was not Catholic, but he motioned over to me. Would you like to be a part of our mass? And I uh, uh, thanked him for the invitation and I went back in to just outside where, where the slab is, but inside the edicule where no more than 12 people could fit. And there was just four or five of us. And he invited us um, to lay prone, which is um, to, lay, to lay in literally the shape of the cross, arms totally out, face down on the floor, where in my mind, hundreds of thousands of people usually walk on this, this floor that who knows uh, the last time it had been cleaned. But um, there we lay in silence as he read through in Latin the Mass, which similar enough to ours I could roughly follow along to, received the body and blood of Christ right there in um, the location that Jesus had resurrected. And then the crusader doors broke open 
and we dispersed. That ragtag group of people who shared almost no languages, but there together experienced the presence of God. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The resurrected Lord is here in our presence, inviting you to be a part of it. Come, let us worship Christ. Live lives of forgiveness. Live God's love. Amen.